Fantastic. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Are you enjoying the presence of God today? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, if you've got a Bible, would you like to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. I know we've been praying, but uh, let me just pray for a moment myself. Helps me kind of kickstart as I'm preaching. Father, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you are here amongst us. We bless you, Lord, that already you are touching our lives. And we thank you for that, Lord God. We thank you that there is not one situation that escapes your notice here today. We thank you, Lord, even the smallest things you're interested in, Lord, and that you're here to answer prayers, to move in situations, in marriages, in families, in health conditions, in finances. Father God, we thank you that nothing is too hard for you. And Lord, we lift you up and exalt you over this place. We do pray, Lord, as we do so often. Father, don't let one person leave this place without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. And we do pray, Lord, as well, that you would stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I just want to say right at the beginning of this message that um, uh, this is a time for big dreams. This is a time for praying big prayers and for having big aspirations in God. Because God is going to do things, I believe, in this next season here in the United Kingdom, here in Hull and in this region that uh, far exceed anything that we've ever seen before. Amen. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart. I know that God is looking for people who will believe Him and trust Him to do great things because God works through human vessels. This is a wonderful series to be invited to preach on. Limitless. Don't you like that name? Limitless. Fantastic. What a great description. And that's true of our God. He is the limitless God. I want to just, um, <coughs> pardon me, I've been preaching a lot this week. It is my 12th message this week. So I'm, here we are. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3. I want to open here with a prayer of the Apostle Paul. And I'm praying for this for every single one of us today. He says this, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes mere intellectual knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's pretty big, isn't it? To be filled with all the fullness of God. The only other time in the New Testament that expression is used is when it's describing Christ. In Colossians 1, when it says that Jesus, that the fullness of the Godhead was found in Him in bodily form. It's the only other time it's used. But it says here that you and I can be filled with all the fullness of God as we have a revelation of the height, the depth, the length, the width of the love of God. This limitless God is limitless love. Will you ever come to the end of His love? Never, never. Some of you are a bit quiet out there. I don't know, have, have, have you got that? <laughs> Amen. You have no reason to fear. 
Because perfect love drives out fear. And when you begin to see how big and how active the love of God is towards you and me, we really never have to be afraid because He's on our side. Thank God. He goes on and He says this, that you may know, you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Love these verses now, verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a big prayer. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Thank you, Lord. I mean, it's almost like Paul wants to really get the picture bigger and bigger. He starts always by saying, He can do above all that we ask or think. But then he has to add this. He'll do abundantly above all that we ask or think. And then has to increase it even more exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Amen. In Kingsgate, we have this saying that that right at the beginning of the church in Kingsgate, um, God spoke to our pastor, Dave Smith, and said to him, think big or you'll limit me. And I think that was after about the fourth time that he handed his resignation into God, you know, because it took four years to get to 27 people in the church. And now look at where it is today. But the reality is that we have to think big, don't we? Our God does not fit into a box. I don't know if I, you know, you, many of you know me and I've spent my, world, my life traveling the world in the last 26, 27 years. I've preached the gospel in many countries where you walk down the street and, and you see people bowing before a little statue in a wooden box. And you think, oh my goodness me, who wants to ask help from that? You know, I, 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 re- I remember, you know, uh, I remember waking up in the morning once in Kenya, in Nairobi, and, and the news was on. And I turned on, and it was the BBC Kenyan News. And there was a big uproar because in the Hindu temple, uh, you know, some robbers had gone in during the night and had ran away with their gods. And I thought to myself, goodness me, you know, who wants to pray to a God that you have to rescue? I, I thought... <laughs> I mean, surely isn't the idea he's supposed to be there to rescue me, not the other way around. But thank God he is there and he will rescue us. Amen. He's a limitless God. Hallelujah. Well, you know, when we talk about limitless and we talk about the Holy Spirit's work in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, very often there was this expression used by the writers of Scripture. They described the hand of the Lord coming upon somebody. Isaiah said that His power is hidden in His hand. The Scripture says that the hand of the Lord came upon Isaiah, uh, sorry, upon uh, Elijah and he ran faster than a chariot. So whenever it talks about the hand of the Lord, it speaks about the power of God. And, you know, in Peter, Peter wrote this and he said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And so he's talking about the power of God. You can never put God in a box. He is utterly limitless. Theologians describe him as being omnipotent. That means all powerful. You will never encounter a situation that his power cannot transform. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient, meaning he is all knowing. Maybe you're in a situation right now that you don't know where to turn or what the answer is. I've learned through my life 
life. It is a wonderful thing to stop getting in a sweat and a tiz about it and turn to the Lord because He promised to give us wisdom. He knows everything A to Z. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He sees your tomorrow before you wake up into it. I can tell you He's got an answer for you. You can trust Him. He's omniscient. And He's not only omnipotent and omniscient, but He's omnipresent everywhere at the same time. He doesn't decide I'm going to be more there tomorrow. You know, I'm going to be more over in Brazil today than I am in Hull. (laughs) He is equally powerful, all-knowing, all-powerful everywhere at the same time. However, He comes where He's welcomed. Although He's all-powerful and He's everywhere at the same time, it's He comes and He manifests, reveals Himself where He is most sought and welcomed and delighted in, where He's asked for. I want to read to you a testimony. Many of us and many of you know stories of revival. And I, I was greatly privileged um, just uh, at the end of last year to speak at um, UCB's Staff day. There was about these 200 staff there. And I was sharing the platform with George Otis Jr. And if you've ever seen any of the transformation videos, um, where they are video documentaries of revival around the world and what God is doing. That's really encouraging stuff. Well, I've got about five or six, I think, of, the, of these documentaries out today. But they, he was just telling us there that they actually have footage of 260 major revivals that are going on around the world right as we speak today. 260 major transformations of whole communities and regions under the power of God that they know about. He said, there's probably loads more going on, but that's just what they know about. We really are living in unprecedented days. But anyway, look, this is just um, a testimony, of course, from back in 1904 from the Welsh Revival. And I just wanted to read it to us so that again, we begin to conceive afresh of what can happen when our limitless God starts to manifest himself, not only in the four walls of a church, but outside in the community. And so he says this, most people have heard of the Welsh Revival, which started in 1904. It began as a movement of prayer. Seth Joshua, the Presbyterian evangelist, came to Newcastle Emlyn College, where a former coal miner, Evan Roberts, aged 26, was studying for the ministry. The students were so moved that they asked if they could attend Joshua's next campaign nearby. So they cancelled classes to go to, um, I think that word is blineric. I, I never know with the Welsh, they all speak in tongues. Here we go. Classes. <laughs> to go to Blineric, where Seth Joshua prayed publicly, Oh God, bend us. Evan Roberts went forward where he prayed with great agony. Oh God, bend me. Of course, revival always starts here, doesn't it? It starts with us. Upon his return, he could not concentrate on his studies. He went to the principal of his college and explained, I keep hearing a voice that tells me I must go home and speak to our young people in my home church. Principal Phillips, is that the voice of the devil or of the Holy Spirit? Principal Phillips answered wisely, the devil never gives orders like that. You can have a week off. So he went back home to Lahore and announced to the pastor, I've come to preach. The pastor was not at all convinced, but asked, how about speaking at the prayer meeting on Monday? He didn't even let him speak to the prayer meeting, but told the praying people, uh, our young brother, Evan Roberts, feels he has a message for you if you care to wait. 17 people waited behind and were impressed with the directness of the young man's words. Evan Roberts told his fellow members, I have a message for you from God. 
Firstly, you must confess any known sin to God and put any wrong done to others right. Second, you must put away any doubtful habit. Third, you must obey the Spirit promptly. Finally, you must confess your faith in Christ publicly. By 10 o'clock, all 17 had responded. The pastor was so pleased that he asked, how about speaking at the mission service tomorrow night? Midweek service, Wednesday night. He preached all week and was asked to stay another week. Then the breakthrough came. Suddenly, the dull ecclesiastical columns in the Welsh papers changed. Great crowds of people drawn to Lahore. The main road between Clonelly and Swansea on which the church was situated was packed with people trying to get into the church. Shopkeepers closed early to find a place in the big church. Now the news was out. A reporter was sent down from London and he described vividly what he saw. A strange meeting which closed at 4.25 in the morning. And even then people didn't seem willing to go home. There was a very British summary in the papers the next day. I felt this was no ordinary gathering. (laughs) Next day... Every grocery shop in that industrial valley was emptied of groceries by people attending the meetings. And on Sunday, every church was filled. The movement went like a tidal wave over Wales. And in five months, a hundred thousand people were converted to Christ throughout the country. Five years later, Dr. G. G. J.V. Morgan, he was a cessationist, by the way, wrote a book to debunk the revival. His main criticism being that of 100,000 people joining the churches in five months of excitement, after five years, only 75,000 still stood in membership of those churches. (laughs) Wish we had results like that today. The social impact was astounding. For example, judges were presented with white gloves, not a case to try. No robberies, no rapes, no murders, no embezzlements, nothing. District councils held emergency meetings to discuss what to do with the police now that they were unemployed. In one place, the sergeant of police was sent for and asked, what do you do with your time? He replied, before the revival, we had two main jobs, to prevent crime and to control crowds, as in, uh, as in football um, matches and things like that. But since the revival started, there's practically no crime, so we just go with the crowds. The counselor asked, well, what does that mean? The sergeant replied, well, you know where the crowds are. They're packing out the churches. So how does that affect the police? Well, he was told, we have 17 police in our station, but we have three quartets. And if any church wants a quartet to sing, they simply call the police station. (laughs) As the revival swept Wales, drunkenness was cut in half. There was a wave of bankruptcies, but nearly all taverns. There was even a slowdown in the mines for so many Welsh coal miners were converted and stopped using bad language that the horses that dragged the coal trucks in the mines couldn't understand what was being said to them. (laughs) The revival also affected sexual moral standards. The figures given by the British government experts tell us that the illegitimate birth rate dropped 44% within a year of the beginning of the revival. The revival swept Britain, Scandinavia, Germany, North America, Australasia, Africa, Brazil, Mexico, and Chile. As always, it began through a movement of prayer. What do we mean by extraordinary prayer? Well, we share ordinary prayer in regular worship services before meals and the like. But when people are found getting up at five and six in the morning to pray, having half nights of prayer, giving up their lunch times to pray at noonday prayer meetings, it's extraordinary prayer. It must be united and it must be concerted. 
God manifests himself where he's welcomed and where he's sought. And so we are talking about a limitless God, but let's call upon him and expect him to manifest and demonstrate his power in this our day in the United Kingdom and here in Hull and in the surrounding region. Amen. I'm going to kind of fast forward here for the sake of time, but stay with me. Fasten your seatbelt, as they say on the airlines. Here we go. I want to give five points and I want to give five questions to you. And I want you to embrace the questions and answer them yourself. I'm not asking for a public response to the questions. I'm asking you to consider them in your relationship with God. But here we are. First of all, limitless love. God gives us limitless love. John 3.16, we know well, you know, that God so loved the world. You could put the emphasis on so. God so loved the world. I don't know what your name is today, but you can put your name in there. Mark, John, Steve, Mary, Sally, whatever your name is. God so loved you that He gave His only Son that if you would believe in Him, you would not perish, but have eternal life. Many of us have done things that we're not proud of. But the love of God goes and reaches beyond in His grace what we have done. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more to transform our lives by the amazing love and grace of God. The love of God gives us a compassion that exceeds our own natural resources to show and to demonstrate. I can remember a number of years ago that I was ministering in a town in the Eastern European nation of Slovakia. And it was right out in the rural areas. And it was an area here where there were many, many gypsies. And, uh, and actually, the place was packed out that night. Hundreds of people present. These guys had never heard the gospel in their lives, but they had heard the adverts about the fact that God does miracles today and many of them were in need. So they came and they came with their kids and everything else. The place was packed out. I mean, it wasn't nicely kind of ordered like this meeting here today. I mean, the gypsy kids were running all over the place and it really was no point and no place for three points in the conclusion, I, I can tell you. It was just really disordered and I, I just had to just get up and preach and just share my my heart and that's what I did and anyway I remember at the end I just um, I finished and I just gave the appeal there was no room to get anybody down the front so I just gave the appeal every hand in the building went up to give their lives to Christ and so I thought to myself you know this is wonderful faith I thought did they hear me right you know so I just kind of stopped I said everybody put your hands down I said you do understand what I'm saying don't you I said you're going to turn from immorality you're going to repent of it you're going to turn away from the occult you're going to turn away from idolatry and, and all of this kind of stuff and you're going to follow Jesus with all your heart. Now, who's going to give their life to Christ? And all the hands went up again. So I said, oh, all right, okay. So I just prayed the prayer and, and they all gave their lives to Christ. Then we started to administer healing. Now, God began to heal the sick and everything else. And then there were these gypsy mums who brought their kids up. And I'll never forget it as long as I live because these kids were all born deaf and dumb. There were five of them. And they brought them up for me to pray for. Well, I went for the first one and I laid hands on this child. After I finished praying for this child, I began to test out his hearing and test out his ability to speak. And the reality was there was no change, no immediate change. Now, I'm never discouraged by that because I believe in the power of God that will bring about a recovery. But despite that fact, they didn't understand that, of course, and just, they're just saved. So I step back, I take my hands off because there's no change. 
uh, I, and anyway, I just turned to the mum and I said, hey, we're just going to continue to believe God. I, I want you to go your way and thank the Lord by faith for a miracle and just trust him. And I stepped back, but she looked at me in her simple gypsy way and she looked me in the eye and she said, but you said that Jesus would heal us. Suddenly, I'm, I'm pinned to the ground, really, by this woman. And I, you know, I honestly, I felt quite drained, quite tired by this time. And I wasn't feeling much. I was laying hands on her, and, but I didn't feel much. But suddenly I feel the compassion of Jesus. I turned in my heart and said, Lord, help me to go beyond myself, beyond my capacity here, into your capacity because he's in us. And I reach out and I feel the compassion of Jesus. Well, well, the compassion of Jesus is very different to the kind of pity we sometimes feel for people. It's not sympathy. It's, it does something. It, it's powerful. And, and it, it's actually, it comes out from who he is, from his love and from his power. You know, you can't have compassion unless you have a vision of his ability to do something through you. Otherwise, all you'll have is sympathy. And that doesn't change anybody's life. It's, it's a pat on the back, but it's not a transformed life. And so I began and this compassion stirred in my heart and I just touched this child again and reaching out my suddenly this child for the first time turns around to its mum and just says mama for the first time in its life and starts to speak to its mum well the mother breaks down in tears I'm in tears we're all in tears and then you know what very often you find when one miracle is released it releases others God healed every single one of those children that night as the compassion of Jesus just flowed it's wonderful thank God amen yes we should give him praise. It is all him. Matthew 14, 14 says that there were great crowds who surrounded Jesus. And when he saw them, he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. There is limitless compassion. When they talk about the hand of the Lord, we were talking about earlier. These are these five points I'm talking about. Point number one is you've got to think about the fingers on a hand for a moment. We're talking about here of the limitless love and compassion of Jesus. I want to say there is limitless hope in Jesus. Limitless hope hope in Jesus. The Bible does not talk about hope in such a way that we do today, in a way that we mean, well, I hope it turns out all right. It's not that kind of use. It speaks of certain hope. The Bible talks about the, the return of Christ to this earth to, to catch away the bride of Christ. You know, he taught, the Bible talks about that as being the certain hope of the church. It's not that we just hope he's going to come back one day, but actually we know he's coming back. And so it's talking about future tense certainty. And so there is limitless hope for the child of God. You never ever, ever have to be in despair or feel that you've so missed it in your life that there's never a chance for you to get up again or that God will do something for your life. There is limitless hope in Jesus Christ. And I, I, I want to share this story with you. I, you know, a number of years ago, I was um, down in the east end of London and I was trying uh, to, to teach and to train these bunch of guys in Canning Town to do prophetic evangelism. And anyway, after doing this teaching session, we went out to do it. Um, and we were going out two by two. Now, as we were just about to go, I was hoping I was going to have one of the young guys with me who I could kind of train up. But as we left the building, there was this old dear lady, bless her, about 70 years old. And, um, you know, she came up to me. You've got to get the picture here. And, and forgive me for characterizing her, but, but she's wearing this, this really long gray um, kind of a jacket, this, this coat here. She's got this, you know, kind of plastic, big, 
big hat on here and, and she's got these, these thick glasses and, she comes, and she's got this umbrella that she likes to kind of do this with. And, and she goes out and she comes up to me. She says, young man, I want to go out with you. I said, well, um, yeah, well, all right. I said, you know. And uh, anyway, I, I said to everybody, let's go on the way to the market because there are lots of people around the market. Let's go on the way to the market. So we're walking along to the market and suddenly I have like an inner tug to the right-hand side, away from where the market is. And so I said to this woman, look, we're just going to go to the right-hand side over there. And uh, so she looks at me, why do we want to do that? I said, well, don't worry about it. Look, um, just trust me. I said, we're going over there. I feel the Holy Spirit's leading. Why? Don't worry about it. It's going to be good. All right, so... We go on our way. Well, as we start walking, I see this fella. He's a black guy. And honestly, his biceps are bigger than my thighs. He's, just, he's a huge kind of muscle man guy wearing this kind of string vest and the baseball cap turned the other way around. And it's a lovely hot sunny day. And he's over this um, beautiful car that he's got, a sports car. And he's got the, you know, got the boot up and, and all this kind of thing. And um, anyway, he's there. He's working on his engine. And he's just working on it. He's obviously spent a lot of time polishing this car up. I mean, it's mint. It's sparkling in the sunlight. Anyway, so we go up there. And as I'm walking, approaching him, just wondering what I'm going to say, because I feel he's the man that God wants us to talk to. As we approach, suddenly this old woman suddenly accelerates past me, kind of like this, you know, off she goes. And she takes over me and she gets there to the young man and she takes out her umbrella and she says, young man, you're going to hell. I thought, oh, no, Lord. So I quickly just kind of stepped in front of her. I said, hey, man, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Bless her. She's just a little bit zealous, you know. I know but anyway, um, it's really good to see you and everything. Well, he didn't look very impressed. Do you want to say? And so I start trying to um, share Jesus with him. He's not listening at all. And so I, I thought I better try and be a bit cool myself. I'm, to be honest, I'm not desperately good at that. But I, how, you define, how do you define cool anyway? I don't know, you know. So, so I, I, I went to, I, I leant on his car. Big mistake. <laughs> Freshly waxed. <laughs> uh, I kind of, so I'm kind of sitting there. I said, you know, I just want to say, and then I suddenly looked at him and saw him kind of growl. I, I kind of, yeah. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> began to talk to him. And, uh, and then after about, I could see this guy. I mean, it's just going nowhere, you know. And um, suddenly I just, I turned to go away from him. For I said, Lord, I just really need a word from you. I'm never going to reach this guy otherwise. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave me a picture and I saw him as a nine-year-old boy back in Jamaica. And I see this vision and I see the Holy Spirit speak to him and call him to the ministry in his bedroom at nine years old. And I see him take a Bible and throw it across the room and say, never. And then so I, you know, so suddenly I turn to this guy and I say to him, the word of the Lord to you is now, I don't usually use that expression amongst the unsaved, but I just said this to him. I said, the word of the Lord to you is now, when I said that, he suddenly reached up, took his cap out and went like this. I didn't ask him to, but he went like this and bowed his head. And I said, the word of the Lord is to, to you is this, that when you were nine years old, back in Jamaica, I said, the Spirit of God spoke to you and called you to the ministry. But instead of saying yes, you threw a Bible across the room and said, never. You left, you came with your family, you moved over to this country. And since then, you've gone through broken relationships, you've been on drugs. You've been this. You know, I, I went through this whole list of stuff like this. And, uh, and suddenly, this huge, tough Jamaican fella starts sobbing like a little boy. And start saying, it's right, it's right, it's all true, it's all true. He said, you know, man, he said, every member of my family is in the ministry. They're all born again. I'm the only one who said no. I said, well, the word of the Lord is coming to you a second time. 
and he's had mercy on you. And no matter how far you feel you've gone from God, and no matter how much you've messed it up, I want you to know this, that God has a purpose for you and it's good. And he's coming to you now to restore everything. That of all the, all the wasted years, he's gonna turn it around and, and replace your wilderness years with joy and purpose and fruitfulness you could never imagine. He's here for you and he loves you. He said, I said, just bow your head and close your eyes there. Then he gave his life to Christ. And then after that, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. We sent him off. You know, then I said, look, that church around the corner there, they got a Bible school meeting on a Wednesday, uh, on a Wednesday night. You better get around there and you need to catch up some time. <laughs> he said to me, sir, I'm going to do it. And so that was the end of my encounter with him. But I just want to say this to you today. There is limitless hope. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. You may feel, well, how, how could God have mercy on my life? How could God turn everything around that's happened in my life and change it for the better? I want you to know He is a limitless God and there is limitless hope for you today. I need to really fast forward here. I can see that clock is going on. I, you know, I believe in miracles. I wish I could speak the word of faith and cause the time to go back, you know. It happened in the Bible once. Joshua did it, but it wasn't to a clock. It was to the sun. But uh, anyway, here we go. You know, we have in Christ limitless authority. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, of course, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Who really has all authority in Hull today? Is it the local government? God bless them. But actually, it's Jesus Christ. He has all authority in this city. He has all authority in this region, in this nation, and in every nation of the world. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so church, we are the ones who administer that delegated authority in the earth. Through prayer, through the gospel, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage us to start speaking His Word over our lives, over our families, over our workplaces, over our community. Because when we begin to exercise that authority, the kingdom of God comes on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Just think of the consequences of when the righteous fail to use their authority. That's the old statement is true. What does it take? It only takes for, for men to step back and do nothing for evil to prevail. We need to stand up. We need to speak truth. We need to do what's right. Number four, there is limitless faith in Jesus Christ. We need to keep on believing. In Mark 5, we have it in verse 35 to 42, that Jairus, Jairus had pled with Jesus to come and to raise his daughter, to heal his daughter. Jesus turned to go with him. But even while they're talking, there are people who come from his house and say, don't bother the master anymore. It's all over. It's finished. Your daughter is dead. But the Bible says in the Amplified Bible, just puts it in a beautiful way. Jesus, overhearing, but ignoring what was said, turned and said to him, do not be afraid, only keep on believing. Sometimes we may feel like we're right at the end of the road. It's all over. It's dead end street. Nothing else can be done. Let me tell you right now that God specializes in miracles at dead end street where it seems that nothing else can be, can be turned around. Nothing can be changed. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. I want to encourage you to keep on believing and trusting in Him. Two weeks ago in Rotherham, a girl came in from the Lighthouse Project. She had been through, you know, she woke up, 
you know, just literally on New Year's Day with palsy and her, uh, her left face, had uh, the left side of her face had dropped. The, the lips had gone down. Every sense of feeling had left her. She was under the doctors, but nothing was helping her. She's gone on this way for two months. You know, she's one of these girls saved out of the trafficking situation and addiction and all this, given her life to Christ, I think sometime last year. But anyway, she comes along to the healing meeting. Jesus touches her. Honestly, I felt nothing as I went to pray for her. My years of experience in praying for the sick, very often in the bigger miracles I see Jesus do, I often don't feel anything. Sometimes when I've seen hundreds healed on mass and I've often not felt anything, I sometimes think it's the Lord's protection just reminding me that it's actually, it's all Him. <laughs> but the truth about it is that in front of everybody, just with a simple command in the name of Jesus, barely touched her and in front of everybody, the face just lifted up and went perfectly into position. The smile came back up. She was shocked. Suddenly she's got all feeling has come back. Uh, it was just glorious. That's our Jesus. Never give up. Never give up. Keep believing there's limitless faith. And I want to close today by saying there is limitless power in Jesus Christ. Psalm 62 verse 11 says that power belongs to God. Power belongs to God. Ultimately, the greatest demonstration of God's power is in victory over death. And Jesus today, although yes, He still raises the dead today. And we've seen Him do that. And I have friends who've raised many more from the dead than I've had the privilege of seeing. But I know this still, that the greatest demonstration of God's power is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The only man who has ever lived, died and been raised again from the dead, never to die again. He is unique. That's why the Bible says that the cross is the manifestation, the demonstration of the power of God as well as the love of God. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, he says, we preach the cross. The message of the cross is the power of God to everyone who believes, to everyone who believes. Maybe today you're here and you say, well, John, you know, I've sinned so many times in my life. I've just, I've messed up. I want you to know there is forgiveness in the cross of Christ today. You can be forgiven. You can be what the Bible calls saved. Saved from your sins. Saved from the eternity in hell to have an eternity in glory with the King of Kings who gave His life for you and His life for me. He bore your curse. He took your shame, your rejection. All of these things He bore for you. Your sicknesses and diseases, He bore them for you. He never did anything wrong, but He paid the price as if He had done it all wrong. But He was paying it for you and He was paying it for me. Finally, He cried out, it's finished. And He gave up His spirit back to the Father. But we know it's not the end of the story because three days later, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He is alive today in limitless love in power and glory. And the Bible says that all who call on His name will be saved. Over many years now, I've seen Jesus change the lives of people from all different backgrounds. Every life is precious. Every life is special to God. You may have heard Him say, you may have heard this said before, but I want it to say to you right now, if you were the only person in this world Jesus Christ would have died for you. Want to know how much you're worth? Take a good long look at the cross.